steep cliffs, dense forests, predatory animals, and harsh conditions. When someone goes missing, there could be any number of causes. But these cases prove sometimes there simply is no answer. Could the environment and animals explain what happened or something more sinister to blame? This week's episode is Unexplained Disappearances. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Did you ever wander off as a kid and get lost? Oh, I remember I had a shopping with my mom once when I was probably seven or eight and being a little asshole and hiding in. Do you remember how at the mall or even at department stores they would have kind of the circular thing yep. of clothes that mm-hmm. and hide big, in the middle of those yes those same. big ass metal things mm-hmm. that, yes so i got in there and hid oh god and then my mom was like all right fine if you're not going to come out i'm just going to leave <laughs> and she just left all right that's solid and then I, then I went looking for her and eventually i found her but there was a, probably a good 15 20 minutes where i didn't know where she was that's a good lesson she said i also you. yeah i brought it on myself don't fuck around exactly i think i've said before i was terrified of being kidnapped after as a child i wasn't until my mom told me that someone would take me in the kmart bathroom and dye my hair another color and i would not even recognize you <laughs> Just did me. you run off in a kmart no that was a girl got kidnapped in the i think it was sears actually yeah i remember uh that. she got kidnapped and they dyed her hair in the bathroom but i also was on a leash because i was well known to were you off. was it oh, an actual leash well it wasn't a dog leash it was a child leash. right but one was, of those little leashes it yes. was uh a just a little Velcro strap around mm-hmm. my wrist mm-hmm. and then, then the Velcro strap around my mother's wrist. And then the band that connected us was curly rubber, like uh, what you would do on an old timey telephone. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I worked at Navy Pier, I saw kids with actual like the backpacks that are yes. like stuffed animals. And then the parents have, it looks like a dog. A leash. little leash, yeah. But um, man, on a place like Navy Pier, are you kidding me? You get, I was Hell in Las Vegas. No. And you just look around and think the people in huge crowds, you could just snatch up a kid. Oh, easily. Easily. I, even walking around the grocery store when kids are running around, I'll see a kid on an aisle. It takes two seconds for somebody to go missing. I, I don't know. I was so scared of it. And my greatest fear is something like that happening to Ella, of course. So I would never, and there's nothing wrong if, if you did this or you let your kids do this, but I'm not the type of parent that's ever going to let her walk to school by herself Yeah, or ride her bike when she's young well, what if you could around get a, by herself. What if they, they had a microchip you could put in your kid and it was GPS tracking? Would you let her do stuff by that's herself? a Black Mirror episode. But would you do it? Well, not after I saw the Black Mirror episode. <laughs> you saw where it could go wrong. They do Things have little, go horribly wrong. They have little watches you can give a kid, though, that's GPS tracker. And you could try and like – but, I mean, a murderer would just take it off. Yes, presumably. or they could lose it. True. I don't know. I mean, even though on that Black Mirror episode shit goes sideways. I mean, I s- every episode. I still might put a tracker in her. I don't know. <sighs> but that's also such a violation of her privacy. That's true. So – Hmm. How much autonomy should you give a kid? I don't That's know. These are questions. Question. I don't have good the answers questions. to. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. Today we're going to be talking about unexplained disappearances. There's just a lot of people that go missing and there's no way to tell. The official explanation is very rocky to say sure. the least. Sometimes they turn up. Sometimes they don't. When they do turn up, there's often more questions than answers. That's true. That's what we'll learn is that you – I mean, it's one of those things. It's everybody's dream. If someone in their life, a loved one goes missing, that you open the door and they're there. But sometimes, like you said, there's more questions than answers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's get into this. Millions of people go missing each year. And there are as many as 100,000 active missing person cases in the U.S. at any given time. While many of these stories have happy endings... Sometimes the events surrounding the disappearance and eventual discovery of their loved ones are so bizarre that they are left with more questions than answers. All right. Our first case. 
In February of 1978, Stephen Kubaki told his family he was headed out to go skiing for the day near Lake Michigan. When no one had heard from Stephen by the next day, his family reported him missing to the authorities. Search teams were deployed and soon found his skis and poles on the snowy Lake Michigan beach. Here they also found Stephen's footprints leading right up to the edge of the frozen lake where they mysteriously stopped. The ice was unbroken and there was not a second set of footprints leading back away from the water. And Stephen was nowhere to be found. Christy, the one set of footprints was where Jesus carried him. <laughs> I think we solved the mystery. Was, All of these are Jesus. It was Jesus carrying him away. Well, I will say in the 1970s, so this was 1978, it seems like they were pretty loose with people's whereabouts, that he was gone for over a day. And then they said, well, mm-hmm. maybe we should start looking. How long, if you hadn't heard from me, how long until <gasps> you start getting... Minutes, minutes until you start getting concerned and maybe reach out to Tommy. Sometimes in the day, like if you if I text you and you don't text back, I ponder and I usually just try to say she's probably taking a nap or she's taking the, the baby to the doctor or she's probably just doing something because you usually do respond. Probably it would be like maybe eight solid hours. Okay. So a work day. Like a solid, a solid, yeah, eight. Yeah, I think eight hours. 12 well, seems like too many. Like if I try to text you at 8 a.m. and you hadn't responded by 8 p.m. that If you hadn't responded by 5 And I'd be... I hadn't seen it. Yes. Or you hadn't seen me post anything on social media. Yeah, I think I think eight hours is good. I'd probably start getting real worried after yeah, eight hours. Yeah, if you hours. hadn't heard from me. Eight hours for if sure. If not sooner. Freaking hot selfie in eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I would immediately con. You know what? I should probably get Nancy's information. Yeah, so you can just well, in case. You can always find her. It's like the bat signal. <laughs> but I will say, so this guy goes missing, and his family uh, they wait a full twenty four hours <laughs> before they call him. But it sounds like there was some sort of, uh, you know, they found some some sign Somebody's of him. footprints. Yeah. Well, helicopters were brought in to assist in the search. And conducted flyovers from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, to Ludington, Michigan, to Benton Harbor, an area more commonly referred to as the Lake Michigan Triangle. Mysterious events and disappearances have occurred in the Triangle since as early as 1891, when a schooner named the Thomas Hume disappeared with all seven of its crew members. No trace of the boat or the crew was ever found. Over the years, boats, planes, and people have mysteriously disappeared in this area with no wreckage or bodies ever being found, leading some to believe a sinister force may be to blame. Well, it sounds like he should not have gone skiing near the Lake Michigan Triangle. Also, Manitowoc, isn't that where Stephen Avery Mm -hmm. from... A lot of shit goes down in Manitowoc County. When search and rescue teams first combed the beach, they didn't find anything except for Stephen's poles and skis. Hours later, a helicopter flying over spotted Stephen's backpack in the same area where his other belongings had been found earlier. Authorities swore they had thoroughly searched that area several times over and that it had not been there before. So, and also just for our listeners, this is a common thread in a lot of these cases yes. where things are appear in an area that's already been well-searched and there's a lot of disappearances or then discoveries of bodies near bodies of water. So the thread that kind of ties a lot of these stories together is there's a man named David Politis mm-hmm. who has written a series of books called Missing 411. Documentary. And, and there's also, also a documentary on part of the cases. They That documentary on available on Hulu only focuses on the children cases. It's like five specific cases, two of which we'll cover today. He was on the SWAT team and he was on the street crimes unit. And he uses his police investigative background to find commonalities between these crimes. Mm-hmm. So that's where we sort of sourced all of these crimes. And there are, I mean, how many would you say there were 150 oh. we had to go through? If if not more. I mean, there's there's a ton. Yeah. So this is a common thing where they search the area. There's nothing there. They go one more time over and they find a backpack yes. or they find shoes. Or in they plain find, sight. In plain sight. It's not as if this was... Buried under the snow and a corner was sticking out and then they it melted. Were able to, yes, this was in plain sight where it should have easily been discovered when they first looked. This is just like when I lose everything in my house. This is yeah. why I have tile trackers. Same. Everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I just checked there. Rescue teams continued to search but couldn't find a trace of Stephen. Eventually, the search was called off and his friends and family were left grieving and wondering what had happened. Fifteen months later, 
On May 5th, 1979, Stephen's father was at home when his doorbell rang. He answered the door and was both elated and completely shocked when standing before him was his son, Stephen. I mean, this would lay me oh, out. Fuck. You would faint. <laughs> this is the what the most terrible situation is if he shows up, the father has a heart attack, dies, can't even appreciate that his son has come back because you're so shocked shitless and I mean, he's there. It's crazy. It really is. But it's like the, something I, out of the movies. I guess it's the best case scenario is he's sure. found and he's, you know, not hurt. And not hurt. Not hurt. Absolutely. Stephen claimed that he had woken up in the middle of a field 40 miles from where his father lived and 700 miles away from Lake Michigan in the town of Pittsfield. He was wearing clothes he didn't recognize, and beside him lay a small bag with maps he claimed weren't his. According to Stephen, he didn't remember anything, didn't know what day it was, and was unaware 15 months had passed. Understandably, everyone had a million questions about where he had been and what had happened. However, those questions would remain unanswered as Stephen refused to talk to reporters, claiming he had nothing to say and, quote, didn't have any psychological problems from it. Well, I think I have the explanation. There's an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show where Rob Petrie, played by Dick Van Dyke, gets hit on the head with a real violin when they think it was a fake violin <laughs> that they were going to use for the show. And he falls asleep on the train and he wakes up in Red Hook and he just wanders into a party and starts dancing with this hot lady. And basically it's amnesia caused by a slight head injury. And it's a hilarity ensues, as you can imagine. Well, you're – I mean that's – funny but also i think that's the explanation for a lot of these cases we're going to talk about and apparently not super common but apparently that can be relatively common however i will say another equally as common explanation is he was abducted by aliens <laughs> equally as common they for did sure. a ton of experiments on him they made him look into the flashlight they flashed his eyes made him Men lose his memory style. yep made him lose his memory and dropped him off with some maps so he would find out where he was going so it's either the or, Dick Van Dyke explanation. Or were the maps where he had been. Ooh. I don't yeah. know. He would. He was kind of a dick about it. And he was wearing had... clothes he didn't recognize. I mean, I feel all of these things can be explained away in a logical manner, most likely. It could also be explained in an unexplained phenomenon manner. It was definitely an alien. You know? <laughs> Well, today, ironically, Stephen Kubaki is a clinical psychologist in Seattle, where he treats people with such issues as PTSD, trauma, depression, and anxiety. He has still never publicly spoken of his incident. And that's his right. Although I will say, if you are a clinical psychologist, you can make mucho dollars if you would do like a TED Talk mm -hmm. of I was a victim of amnesia. Although I guess if you can't remember what happened, you don't have a lot to say. <laughs> 15 months that's a long time that's well, such a long time well, i mean how was he surviving uh, just eating yeah what, what i mean was he, eating? he again here's also what's weird in these especially 15 months someone if he was on this planet had to have seen him and interacted with him a diner waitress cared uh, for him giving him station. food yeah gas station something attended. so when you see this in the news Hit a brother up. Let somebody know what the hell's going on. That's if not true. for him, but for his family, you know his parents are like, we are so happy you're back. But also, we have got to know what happened. <laughs> what in the hell happened I will you? never sleep another night if I do not have some answers. Seriously. And there had to have been – and who knows? What if he was wandering around – this is just a romantic comedy – in my brain and he bumps into a lady and she says who are you and he says i don't know and she's like well you look like a tony to me and he's like oh okay and then they fall in love and then one day he wakes up and realizes this isn't my home i need to go back to home and he goes back to the only the first home he remembers which would be his dad's house walks there and you leaves that lady in the lurch basically just described the plot to overboard <laughs> which is a fantastic movie overboard if you with kurt russell how long have you how long has Goldie it been Hawn. since you last watched overboard Oh, years. Okay, so I just watched it. Are you at, saying it doesn't hold up? Oh, oh no, no. I just watched it at Dry Bar. I'm very extra and I love to get uh, blowouts at Dry Bar. And they rotate the same kind of romantic comedy. So I've been able to watch most <laughs> In of In pieces, all yes, of Overboard. Overboard. <laughs> and you go back. I haven't seen the new one with Anna Ferris, But if you go back to the Kurt Russell one, you realize that she was kind of a bitch. She, well, falls, yeah. she falls off the boat. And he, realizing he doesn't want to care for his own children and could get a free, basically, 
indentured servant, mm-hmm. goes down to the police station, gets this woman, and he's not... I like, mean, it's, it's I mean, got some he, holes in the plot. It's, it's a questionably... It sure. It's questionable ethics. But Heather, in the end... They fall in love. I mean, it's true. So, that's all that matters, really. Okay. Isn't your but isn't your romance built on a foundation lies? Or it doesn't matter because did you see Kurt Russell's biceps? I mean, nineteen mm-hmm. eighties Kurt Russell was like, Mwah. oh my god, and those kids love her. It's and true. She turns their lives around. That's true. And she wanted like a real husband and real family. And her original husband was a big douchebag. Well, they were huge rich snobs. Yes. So. If you haven't seen Overboard, we've kind of just spoiled the whole thing for you, but still go watch it because... Well, and let us know if it holds up. I feel like it made me kind of... It made me feel icky Yeah, to watch it. There are some movies or even old episodes of, the, of Friends and stuff I'll watch now or even Seinfeld. And I'm, Well, tell me which Seinfeld ones are problematic. There's some... We'll talk off Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other episode is me talking about Seinfeld. But oh, it's yeah. true. Yeah, so, I mean, you're glad they're back, but, man, do you have some questions. I just wonder if he has dreams. Or, like, he has dreams now, and it's stuff Or that he's visited by... The aliens. Yeah. That's so crazy. Probably the aliens. Well, our next case. On February 7th, 2018, Danny Philippidis, a 49-year-old captain with the Toronto Fire Department, was wrapping up the last day of his annual ski retreat with family and friends at Whiteface Mountain Ski Resort in Wilmington, New York. That's a problematic name of a ski resort. Yeah. <laughs> I did have that same thought while reading it. Everyone else had finished for the day, but Danny decided to go on one last run around 2.30 p.m. When he hadn't returned by 4.30 p.m., his party became concerned and reported him missing. I will say this is a two-hour turn time in 2018 versus a 24-hour sure. turn time well, in 1978. he's also on a... Snowy Mountain, and the chairlifts have closed at four. So, so the they, fact that he hasn't returned and the likelihood that something tragic has happened, I think, escalates when you're on a ski mountain. But true. he had also been skiing around frozen lakes. So, yeah, the 70s were just a different time. You're feeling loose, man. Mm-hmm. Immediately, search and rescue teams set out looking for him with the assistance of helicopters and search dogs. Rescuers searched for six days and for more than 9,426 hours. My God. Danny's skis, boots, and car were still at Whiteface, but Danny was nowhere to be found. Well, how is he skiing if he don't have his boots or his skis? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe he's in a spaceship. (laughs) Maybe where you don't need to ski. Family and friends feared the worst. Numerous agencies and emergency services searched the mountain some areas three or four times, and couldn't find him. They even started to believe he wasn't on the mountain. Because he was in a spaceship. Probably. (laughs) Eventually, the search was delayed by a snowstorm that produced several inches of powder, which would now make finding him even more difficult. That's always a shame, you know, when they're looking for somebody and it snows, or they're looking for somebody and it rains, and it makes it, you know, they have to call off the search. Mm -hmm. That just happened with the bikini hiker. She was a famous Instagram hiker that would hike mountains wearing a bikini and she just fell off of one recently and, yeah oh i didn't hear about and this. they finally found her but they had to delay the search a couple of days because well, a did. huge snowfall came. well yeah she was in a bikini and she fell off a mountain <laughs> in the snow oh she was high. it was a snowy mountain yes girl yeah that's bless her heart that's so tragic yes i know well all hope appeared to be lost until six days later when on february 13th at 9 30 a.m danny's wife received a phone call from a man claiming to be her husband. After calling his wife by a special nickname for her and revealing some other personal information, it was clear this man really was Danny Philippidis. He was calling from the car rental area at the Sacramento International Airport. His wife said he sounded confused and she convinced him to call 911. When help arrived, they discovered a very disoriented Danny still dressed in his ski clothes, including his helmet. Jesus. Wait, wait, wait. How was he on the phone if he had a helmet? (laughs) I wondered that, too. I think he (laughs) took it off, but I did have that same thought. Or he could have just, like, kind of held it inside or talked through it. He was out of it. He probably didn't even care. This man has got a helmet. He's got a phone up to a ski helmet. What a scene to drive up on. He was taken to Yolo County Hospital. Hell yeah. Has there ever been a more California-named hospital? <laughs> like an awesome. Where it was determined he was in relatively good condition. Okay, I'm not married. You're married. What 
pieces of information would Tommy have to say on the phone to prove that it was really him? Spe- do you have a special nickname? Obviously, well, if you do, don't reveal it because then the aliens would know. Well, anybody that's around us for more than five minutes knows that we pretty strictly only refer to each other as babe. Babe. Hey, so babe, babe. <laughs> if he, if I answered and he said, hello, Christy, <laughs> I would say, okay, click. This is an alien. Like, this is a body snatcher. You ain't my husband. If he said, babe, then I would be you like, would know. oh, shit. Yes. And yeah. again, what a, can you imagine a more elated feeling than realizing, but also you're scared shitless because he's 2,500 miles away you're or like, whatever. Wait, where are you in Sacramento? Why? Yeah. First of all, <laughs> you have so many questions, but all you're. All you care about is getting them home and safe. Yeah. So six. So he was gone six days. Mm-hmm. Man. According to New York State Police Major John H. Tibbetts Jr., Danny claimed the last thing he remembered was skiing in New York. He couldn't remember how he got from the ski resort to Route 86, but he had somehow been picked up by a trucker and mostly slept in the big rig until eventually being dropped off at a McDonald's in Sacramento. When asked to describe the trucker or the big rig, he was unable to remember what any of it looked like. Because maybe he was dropped by aliens. Maybe. <laughs> or it was Peavy's Big Adventure and it was Large Marge. Oh, gosh. She doesn't even That's exist. my favorite scene of that movie. <laughs> Somewhere along his journey, Danny had purchased a brand new iPhone. All right. even what? got a haircut. While he still had his credit cards on him, they hadn't been used. He also had nearly $1,000 in cash. A new iPhone cost around $800, which means at some point he would have had almost $2,000 in cash on him. But how did he obtain this cash if bank records showed he had not been to an ATM? He also did not have any form of identification on him when police arrived. Also, I'd like to point out a new iPhone costs $800, but can't if you sign up for a a plan. (laughs) Maybe he signed up for two years of cellular service. He doesn't remember. Yeah, he probably did. He's probably on some friends and family plan that he has no idea. AT&T employees will sell just about anybody. What's your name? I don't know. doesn't matter. They're just trying to meet a quota. They're meeting their quotas. Danny was very cooperative with police, giving interviews and allowing them access to his phone. Authorities were still baffled and asked for anyone that saw him during those days to call them and help piece everything together. No calls were ever received from the mysterious truck driver. Because it was Large Marge. (laughs) To be honest, Large Marge scared me so Oh, that was a very scary scene, but just thinking about it right now still makes me laugh. It's funny. But she was the lighting was so dark, and then it Mm -hmm. turns out, I mean, it's scary. More in that movie, more than Large Marge, the scariest part to me was when he's having that dream and the clowns are chasing him. Oh, yeah. Him, or around the dinosaur park. That There's a lot of disturbing imagery. Dark. Yeah, I, I was mean, it's way, a dark movie for sure. I was way into Pee Wee Herman as like a very little kid, and there's a video of me receiving a Pee Wee Herman doll, and I had a very bad speech impediment, and he and I'm pinching him on his legs, and I said, he's got wiles in his wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Poor parents. That Pee Wee is currently in her living room. Yes, <laughs> still have Pee Wee Herman. If you listen to the Annabelle episode, I think I talk about I think my Pee Wee doll. I think you do too, yes. With the help of doctors and police, Danny now believes that he suffered a head injury while skiing and was knocked unconscious. He was able to recall that he came to on the closed kids course around dusk. It is believed that he then walked to nearby Route 86 where he hitched a ride with the trucker. Doctors believe that he was suffering from amnesia. But is there more to this bizarre story than meets the eye? I've never been a trucker, but my question would be, sure, probably pick up hitchhikers for pure reasons, like you want to give them a ride, or sex reasons, who knows. But my question would be, you pick up a guy in full ski regalia, and you say, hey, where are you going? And he just says, I don't know. Wouldn't you call the police and I say, would. hey, I think I found a guy. Maybe he, he might be have amnesia. He may be injured. Or take him just take him to the nearest hospital and dump him out. You don't even have to call the police and get involved. And that would have been hours and hours that they were – days they were together. Yeah, multiple And then days. afterwards, I mean, this was all – when they were searching for him, this was all over the news in Canada and New York. I mean, and in the, radio the United States and, and ever Somebody had to have known – they were looking for him that had seen him. If not then, then definitely afterwards when he was found. I mean, it was a national story. So, yes, I would think that if it were the me, trucker. I know for a fact I would have contacted. But 
I don't know. You never know what weird shit people have going on or in their trucks. They don't want to get involved. Yeah. Or they've, they've got a record or some or shit. Or it was Danny's big adventure and he said, don't call the police. I'm having a great time. And who knows what great sights they might have seen in those six days. Honestly, that's another thing that I think could be a logical explanation for a lot of these. Sometimes people just want to go missing. Damn. And sometimes they're found. Sometimes they're not. But I don't know. Maybe... I think in this case, I do think he suffered a head injury and was suffering from amnesia and who knows what happened over those six days. But then eventually he had a moment of clarity. They said the only number he remembered was his wife's number, luckily. And oh, that's wow. why he called it. Yeah. I would say if you want to go missing, rent a cabin, go on Airbnb or go to an all-inclusive resort in Cancun and you can just be by yourself and your family at least knows reasonably where you are. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to talk to anybody if you want to take a couple days. Sure. But don't go hopping in the big rig and gallivanting off to fabulous Sacramento. I think the weirdest part of this is that the trucker never came forward and said anything. It was large march. There's no other way. (laughs) Well, our next one is a little – not a little. It's a lot sadder and doesn't have as happy of ending as the previous two. On October 2nd, 1999 – Three-year-old Jared Atadero was staying at the lodge his family owned in Podor Canyon, Colorado, near Rocky Mountain National Park. A church group of 10 adults and some other children were also staying at the lodge. Alan Atadero, the owner of the lodge and Jared's father, said he knew and trusted everyone in the group. So when Jared wanted to go on a hike with them while Alan stayed behind and took a nap, he didn't have any concerns question yeah you have a baby oh man you just letting your kid wander off with a bunch no. of randos um they weren't randos they stayed at his lodge a lot and he knew them all and he was a devout christian and they prayed together and had a bond statistically speaking yes the people someone that the you sex know. predators mm-hmm. will be the people that you know it's not mm-hmm. someone jumping out of the forest it's someone that's sitting around your knitting circle or your prayer circle or around the you know absolutely so me No, I would not. But he probably had all the faith in the world in these people. But going – these 10 people going to Chuck E. Cheese, that's one thing. Going on a strenuous hike through dense forests – With a three-year-old? That's a completely different story. I mean I wouldn't – if I was taking just Tommy and I taking Ella on a hike – we would have so many precautions. I probably wouldn't even let her walk. I'd be yeah. carrying her the whole time. So no, I would never have let this happen. But I mean, it's not. It's That's absolutely not to say it's not his fault. No, I'm it's not sure the dad's fault ever. I just took himself every fucking day about. Oh, it. and he has been the biggest advocate for mm-hmm. his son. So yes. absolutely not his fault. But I was just asking. In your, you're a mom, and I'm, we have a lot of listeners who are moms. Yes, uh, no. and dads. Shout I'm, out. I'm kind of a. I'm pretty overprotective though, especially right now when she's so small. Well, several hours later, all that would change when Alan was suddenly woken up by some members of the church group telling him, Jared is fine. We just can't find him. Technically, that's inaccurate. Also, how do you know he's fine if you can't find him? Just say we can't find him. Your kid is missing. You cannot say he's fine. Exactly. The adults had been hiking in two groups and the children had been running back and forth up and down the trail between the two groups. It was during one of these sprints that Jared vanished. Damn. Again, I don't want to blame, but this just seems very irresponsible. I mean, for the adults who, if you're taking some, what they call it in the legal sense, in loco parenti, where you are standing in the shoes of the parent and Mm -hmm. you're technically responsible for the kid. When when you and uh, Kyle were over here and you both left the room and left me with two Mm one-year-olds, I just thought... I mean, I was on high alert. I had eagle eyes, my yeah. ears. I was ready. I had cat-like reflexes. I was ready to jump at any possible danger for either of them. And then one went off one way and one went off the other. And I just said, help. I need an adult. <laughs> help. Help. <laughs> They're separating each other. Exactly. They're separating. They're separating. I don't know what to do. So I just can't imagine being sort of – and this was the 90s. I mean, this wasn't like it was the 70s, the loose no. 70s. That just saying, yeah, it's fine to run between us. No. I've been hiking because my stupid friends, Jeff and Emily, who I love, and they're friends from high school but jeff fancies himself quite an outdoorsman so whenever we say we're going to go on like a friendly trip we always get roped into doing something physical and (laughs) you you know you keep an eye on each other and we're all adults even and we're like okay well we got too far sean's hung over we got to go back and get him you can't even if you're adults you shouldn't separate no much less if they're little kids and this 
this case is in Missing 411. Yes. The father has written a book. There's a You can find a lot of YouTube videos of the area where he went missing and where the trail they were hiking. It is not an easy trail. It is in dense forest. There are rocks Steep. and jagged uh, cliffs everywhere. There's a huge rushing river nearby. It is not a place to let just children run back and forth. It's not a freaking jamboree. Because I always worry. I don't I don't ever want to say, you know, when something bad happens to someone, it's their fault. Absolutely right. not. However, in this case, this kid is three. He, he, he needed needs, protection. He needed someone to, you know, pay attention. Exactly. Well, immediately, search and rescue teams were alerted, and everyone set out to find the young boy. The trail the group had been hiking was considered to be moderate to strenuous with rough terrain in many parts. There was also a large rushing river nearby that authorities feared Jared may have fallen into and been swept away. According to two fishermen, a small boy approached them and asked if there were any bears in the forest. The men told him, yes, they were in bear country, and the little boy ran back off down the trail. Stupidly, the fishermen did not go after the child. This would be the last time anyone would see Jared alive. And I yes, I say stupidly, I because say. what the fuck? If a, ki- if a three-year-old boy approaches you in the woods and he's alone, hello, red flags. Don't just let him wander off back into the jungle. That's Bye, insane. buddy. See you later. That's so crazy. I was going to say, normally the outlines that you write are very, uh, there's no editorializing. But in this case, you're like, two dumb shit fishermen <laughs> were sticking their thumbs in their assholes. I try no. to stay unbiased, but that I, I had to put a little my own that's, opinion in there. That's a little bizarre. And for me, if I'm in a grocery store and I see a kid, I'm usually like, where's your mom? I did that recently. I was somewhere and there was a child. Oh, it was at the Gaylord when we took Ella to see Santa. And all of a sudden, there was just small child just walking around us. I didn't see any parents around. I immediately stopped. I put my hand on her shoulder and looked around. I don't even, she wasn't even old enough to be able to tell me where her parents were. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the mom just comes running up, not nearly concerned enough. Gosh. And I mean, there were thousands of people around she the gaylord for you guys, in a heartbeat yeah for you guys that don't know the gaylord texan is this huge fancy resort and gigantic it's gigantic and it has inside of it there's a garden type thing and then they have the ice thing there's just all it's almost like a mall it is and during christmas there are thousands upon thousands show. it was awful we couldn't even stay because so it yeah was you're just overwhelming. sitting there you're sitting there fishing and a kid walks up and says are there bears around and you go yep and then turn around and keep fishing later it, yeah, it's that's wild. And if they had gone after him or kept him there, chances are he'd still be alive. Yeah. Five days into the rescue mission, everything came to a halt when a search helicopter crashed near the same spot where Jared was last seen. This is also another recurring weird thing that happens in a lot of these disappearances are plane crashes happening nearby nearby. And even during the actual investigation. And there's plane crashes or like radio interference. Mm-hmm. They can't use their radios. Yep. To further complicate matters, it began to snow, covering any potential tracks that may have provided clues. Authorities were reporting that he had most likely been killed by a mountain lion. And after eight days, the search was called off. Also, another recurring theme is the search and rescue. In this case, when there it's the... National Forest Service or the mm-hmm. Department of the Interior, they tend to just say, it was probably mountain lion, mm-hmm. and then shut it Statistically, down. Statistically, mountain lion deaths are very rare. There's only like 15 in the last 100 years, mm-hmm. I think. It's it's not very common. I, th- I hate that the search and rescue squads are besmirching the good name of the mountain <laughs> lion. Those poor mountain lions are hurt out there doing their thing. Alan did not buy this explanation and begged for the search to continue. He requested that an Amber Alert be issued, but the FBI declined, saying they saw no evidence of a crime. That's fucked up. And because this is a national forest, the FBI has no jurisdiction. They can't step in unless they think that a crime has been committed. Which is also fucked up. Well. Allen also claims that when the authorities were searching for his son, that the search dogs had been given a pair of Allen shorts, not Jared's, so they were tracking the wrong scent. When Allen questioned this, he claims the search and rescue team threatened him and told him they could call off the search at any time if he caused problems. That's a very rude attitude to take with a man who's lost his son. Seems pretty unnecessary. Four years later, on June 4th, 2003, 
two hikers came across some tattered children's clothing 550 feet above the trail where Jared was last seen. Authorities were alerted and contacted Alan, who confirmed that they were Jared's clothes. While dirty, the clothes were not ripped or torn and didn't have any blood on them, casting further doubt on a mountain lion or other animal having attacked him. Furthermore, hairs that were found on Jared's sweatshirt were tested and had not come from any type of recognizable animal. They also did not belong to Jared. So, yeah, that's two things. One, mountain lions tend to go for the gut area. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll go for your stomach. So that obviously would cause a ton of tearing in the clothes and tons and tons of blood loss. So there was none of that. And they frequently dragged their prey. And there was not evidence that the clothes had been, like, torn from being dragged. And also, my question is, (laughs) I'm sorry, there's an unknown animal here. How, if you are the National Forest Service or whatever... Do you not know what animals are in your forest? There's what? Yeah, it's they did. It seems like they did not do their due diligence in testing all of this evidence. Or was it a hair belonging to the greatest predator of oh, all, Christ. Bigfoot? I knew it was going to be Bigfoot. Well, I mean, he's out there, you guys. So, <laughs> ten days later, not far from where the clothes had been discovered, a tooth and a piece of skull cap were found. According to Allen, the DNA on the tooth had been contaminated, and he believed it didn't even belong to his son. He also believes that because the clothes were found in rough terrain that would have been almost impossible for a child to traverse, that they had been planted there, most likely by the person who abducted his son, so the case might finally be closed. So this is covered in the documentary Missing 411, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a really good documentary. It's an excellent, well-made documentary. It never mentions Bigfoot. Heads up. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That's but crazy. This part is so, so heart-wrenching mm-hmm. because Alan Adadero is holding his son's skull, like a piece of his son's skull. Mm-hmm. He just has it in his house. That's all he has left Because the FBI didn't think that it was a crime, so they didn't take it into evidence and preserve it. Mm-hmm. He just has a sack in his house that has his missing son's, well, now, I guess, deceased son's clothes and his this tooth that had multiple DNA. Like he said, it was contaminated. So and they, and it had been so – the DNA had been so broken down by that and, point and degraded over the years that – they really it was kind of inconclusive what the test showed it's yeah it's very very sad on one hand as as dark as it may be he has some pieces of his son that he can and he that's what he said hold on to mm-hmm. yeah and still maybe find a connection however this all signs point to that this was a crime some sort of foul play and it should have been taken into evidence and an investigation should have been opened because it is not seem like an animal attack. Yeah, was who's to say cause. who this this person wouldn't snatch someone else? Exactly, or hadn't. That was one. Alan, one of his theories was the tooth was from another one of this whoever abducted his son, another victim, and it was and multiple. He planted it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The strangest part of this new discovery were Jared's shoes, which were found side by side on top of a cluster of boulders. Despite supposedly having been exposed to the elements for the past four years, there were no scratches or scuff marks indicative of being dragged by an animal or any mold or water stains from years of rain and snow. The fact that the shoes had been found together also raised serious questions for Alan. He claimed that Jared never tied his shoes, and it would have been nearly impossible for both of them to have stayed on his feet. Yeah, especially the condition the shoes are in look brand new. They look new. They were in a a creepy person's cabin or trailer or something. The colors are so vibrant. They're also, and we'll post the pictures of where they were found on our Instagram. It's this cluster of boulders, and they're nestled in the middle, side by side. It's Almost like some aliens. Someone had to have put them there. That There's no other explanation that they were placed there. Or an extraterrestrial. Yes, something put them there, for sure. To this day, the case remains unsolved. Authorities still maintain it was a mountain lion attack, but Alan believes foul play was involved. Sadly, the truth may never be known. And these missing 411 truthers that are out there that believe the federal government is covering all these up or sort of brushing the investigations under the rug point to something like this where obviously it was not a mountain lion attack because there's no blood. His clothes were not torn. 
all of these pieces of evidence, and yet they and still they would maintain. have found other bones around. Oh, absolutely. There, they would have seen a mountain lion in the area. They, they even because they thought it was a mountain lion, they were all instructed: if you see any big cats, tranquilize them, and we can search the stomach. We're going to search the stomach to see if his remains are in there. There were none spotted in the area. Yeah. If a mountain lion gets taste for blood in an area and knows that there's something around, they're going to come back for more. They're hunting. Yeah. Makes no sense whatsoever. So it's weird that in the face of all this overwhelming evidence that the authorities say, well, no, it was a mountain lion. That's exactly. Fine. In Oregon, in 1952, two-year-old Keith Perkins was walking around his family's barn near Umatilla National Forest when he suddenly disappeared. 200 people searched the surrounding properties but couldn't find a trace of him. Then a few hours later, in three miles from his last location, they found his tracks that seemed to start and stop out of nowhere. Here's the thing. Three miles. My, my niece is two. She can walk a, a pretty good distance, although sometimes she gets to run it and she'll just run headlong into stuff and fall down because mm-hmm. uh, she's pretty wild. And then Ella it, does this too. I'll say, and she does that and screams and then wants food and they say, she's just like you, Heather. Ha ha ha. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's pretty accurate. But I'm just thinking the little tiny feet and the little tiny legs, she ain't walking out three miles. Mm-hmm. No. It would be hard for me to walk three miles. Seriously, an adult, if you're walking at a leisurely pace, it takes you maybe 20 minutes to walk a mile. So a three-year-old. A child I guess with in tiny a, little legs. Yeah, a few hours. I mean, that's, a, that's far I mean, for a kid. It's possible. It's highly unlikely. 19 hours later, he was found face down in the snow in a dense area on a rocky cliff eight miles from where he was last seen. Luckily, he was alive and just had some scratches on his face. He was unable to communicate what had happened and how he managed to walk an improbable distance in such a short amount of time was never explained. This also, is, some of his clothes were found lying around him, too. Yes. Which and, is another common thread in these situations. Yes, the people's part of their clothes are removed and but are placed sort of neatly nearby them. Mm-hmm. He is still alive. They interviewed him for the Missing 411 documentary. And he has his little outfit and he just says, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to me that day. I, I mean, he's two. Of course I mean, he two. wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to tell them even if he did remember when it no. was happening what Think was going on. Think of all the things you've forgotten in your life. So many things. I mean, even in the last year you forgot. I have a terrible memory I well, remember very little from when I was little I have I can't think of anything I remember from when I was two yeah no absolutely I don't think you can no. but it's very interesting that he has kind of a joyful <laughs> way to talk about it says, mm-hmm. these are the clothes I was wearing and they found me it's just but, a thing that happened but, to him but when you see it's almost like a triangle so he was at the barn walks out of the barn and walks basically straight up three miles and then walks across and so it's eight miles they kept saying as the crow flies from the barn to where he was eventually found and i think if i can find a screenshot i'll post it on the show notes just so you can kind of see the triangular shape of his journey and it's just impossible that mm-hmm. a three or two-year-old made that walk it's, that far it's, in the snow there's not it's uh, i don't have an answer it's one of those things where usually i can i'm Pretty more of the logical mindset as opposed to unexplained phenomenon. He was abducted by aliens. This is one of those that I don't really have an an explanation for. Or some people say maybe it was a giant bird. Maybe it was Mothman. We don't know. Oh, Mothman. There were no talon marks, though, and his like, clothes are on his back or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not uncommon for missing persons to be found in bodies of water. Oddly, the cause of death is rarely drowning. Such is the case in these next two stories. In 2009, 24-year-old Minnesota college soccer star Jelani Brinson's body was found in the pond of a golf course. While it had been raining for days and the golf course was muddy, Jelani's socks were completely clean. To add to the mystery, his hat was found in one neighbor's backyard while his shoes were found in another's. While it was clear Jelani did not drown, his cause of death was never determined. Well, and this is a weird case where, again, it looks like, oh, it's pretty simple. He went missing or whatever. But they said that he wasn't really muddy. Yeah. You know, it's like crazy that he, he was found in a, 
he kind of, I mean, it looks like maybe he was placed there. He was placed there. And that's why alien conspiracy theorists think that it was an alien objection because it just was so strange that he was so not covered in mud and grass and everything like that. Do the aliens like water? Um, What's the explanation for them dropping people in bodies of water? I don't know if it's easier to find if you're looking down from your spaceship. Another thing that's uh, similar. So maybe and, it's just a GPS directional thing. Yeah. Well, as I was saying, another thing that happened with Jelani and that's happened with a couple of these other cases is that he was out at a bar with his friends and took a phone call and then went missing. And so that's another thing that Who happened. Was the phone call from? I think it was from his mom. I think he said that it was from his mom. But, yeah, they said that in these cases, young men will go missing in urban areas near the water, especially like Minnesota and Wisconsin. And a young guy's out drinking at a bar. They don't really remember what happens. And a few days later, they're found dead in water. And most of the time you think, oh, well, they drowned because they were drunk. But David Politis, like I said, who authored Missing 411, said that that's not necessarily true. The body is usually only in the water for a day or two. So in that case... Was Were they killed somewhere else and then exactly, dropped there? Yeah. Or were they wandering around that long and then they ended up there? We'll never know. I know. In January 2014, in Ontario, Canada, Jeffrey Boucher set out for one of his typical early morning runs but never returned home. An extensive search was conducted, but authorities were left completely baffled. Some speculated suicide, while others thought he may have accidentally fallen in Lake Ontario and drowned. A large amount of cash was found in his desk at the school where he taught, which initially raised eyebrows, but it was later learned it was for a class trip he had been organizing. A few months later, when the snow started to melt, Jeffrey's running shoes were found. Shortly after, a man walking his dog on the shore of Lake Ontario discovered Jeffrey's body. An autopsy report determined there was no foul play, but was unable to provide the actual cause of death. And his wife said, you know, there's a 0% chance that it was suicide. He would never do that. And he r- went running like this. Every day. All the time. He was, was a health nut. He, His daughters that also lived at home said every morning at 6 a.m. they would hear him leave and go running. And then, you know, an hour later or so, come back in the house. Yeah. And it wasn't – it was – it's sort of a situation where he's doing his normal thing and he wouldn't have gotten lost. He wouldn't no. have gotten – that's the question. And the water was rushing whenever – you know, it was liquid at the time. It wasn't frozen. But his body had to be chipped out of ice. It had been mm-hmm. frozen in down in there. So I think in this situation he did slip and fall in the water and froze to death or drowned and then – wasn't discovered until his body washed up on shore and things started to melt and and that's how his shoes were discovered and things and that's what people say and the police have said you know there's no foul play of course everyone there's always a flip side that he was abducted and then dropped back down would the police even be able to determine that though i feel like alien technology is above what our police can well that's the thing is that if he would have fallen off the pier and drowned they would have said oh the cause of death is drowning but they did the autopsy and they couldn't determine that he had drowned. Hmm. So. So if search and rescue teams, law enforcement, and coroners are unable to provide any answers, how is anyone supposed to explain what is happening in these unexplained disappearances? Politis, author of Missing 401, and a former SWAT and street crime officer, like we mentioned, has dedicated his life to helping people that have gone missing in national parks. In a speech given at the University of Toronto, Politis said, quote, it's like something out of the X-Files. According to Politis, he has collected over 2,000 cases that have similar characteristics. As we've mentioned, people go missing around bodies of water. Or that's where their bodies are found. Yes. There are cluster areas where numerous people will go missing. Like you said, Minnesota, Michigan. The the Lake Michigan Triangle. Also the area where Jared Atadero was went missing was a cluster area and several other young boys had gone missing there in the previous years. Which, like, wouldn't that also make the FBI think that maybe there's a predator? You'd think. God. If found alive, the people often have memory loss. If found dead, the cause of death is often hard to determine. 
People are found in areas that could not be reached on foot, like the rocky cliffs or areas that have already recently been searched. Or where Jared Adadero's clothes were found was super, super steep climb. Yes. My wife, Leanne, was watching the Missing 401 documentary with me, and I just asked her when they were showing, because she's a hiker, and hiked all around Colorado, and I just asked her when we were watching, you know, is that an easy hike? And she said, I'm a great hiker, and that would be... I could do it, but it would be strenuous, and a kid's not going to be able to do that alone. Even the camera crews making the documentary said it was hard for them to get up there. They had to help each other climb it. Mm -hmm. A child by himself? No. Impossible. People are often missing clothing items or shoes. Search and rescue dogs are strangely unable to pick up the scent. That could also be from the weather. Or also from, as the Jared Adadero's situation, they were looking for the dad. They had the dad's pants sure. as a sample. Yes. And it's dogs can't pick up water, scent on water. So Makes if sense. they fall in the water, then that's kind of... But wouldn't they be able to find their scent up into up the water? Up into the water. Yes, they should. Unless Jesus was carrying them. There's only one set of footprints. <laughs> Some canine handlers have said that the canines behave, behave strangely when investigating these cases. They start to whine, walk in circles, or just sit down. Which is weird for very well-trained dogs. Mm -hmm. Although I will say I was watching the San Antonio Spurs get into their bus the other day because my office <laughs> overlooked where they were. Oh, okay. I thought this was on TV. <laughs> no, nope, like, what? Just in, I was in my favorite co-worker's office. With my second favorite coworker, and we were watching them, and they had a bomb sniffing dog there, mm. and that dog was a very good dog. Mm -hmm. He was sitting there, and they would bring each piece of luggage to him. It's like the dogs you see at the TSA area at an airport. They're very well trained, but in these cases, they said the handlers had well trained seasoned dogs that would flip out and would whine or and it's probably because they sense that there's aliens around or they smell Bigfoot or Bigfoot's coming for them. Well, despite more than four years and 9,000 hours of researching these cases, Politis has never provided a solid answer for what happened, but heavily alludes to alien abductions, government cover-ups, and even Bigfoot. Well, I do like that his explanation for the government cover-up is the FOIA request, which is the Freedom of Information Act request he did. Uh-huh. And they said, okay, we'll do the – and when you do a Freedom of Information Act request, they – agency that you request information from has the right to bill you for the reasonable time and expenses it takes to fulfill the request. So if you want a record and they say, we're happy to do it, but we're going to charge you 10 cents a page and two hours of labor, then they can send you a bill and then they won't deliver the requested documentation until you pay the bill. Well, he wanted every missing person that had ever gone missing on federal land and the government said that would take so many man hours it would be 1.4 million dollars and in his he twists it to say the government's covering it up they're trying to charge me 1.4 million dollars all you need is an intern that will work for free and type into a spreadsheet okay to be fair there's a lot of mystery going on here but Government inefficiency is not a mystery. <laughs> no. Like, of course it would That's take... pretty clear cut. Of course it would take $1.4 million <laughs> and a ton of time. Yeah. That is not proof of a conspiracy. No, not at all. <laughs> no. And just getting an intern to do it, my God, he'll he'll die before he's given that spreadsheet. Me? Yeah. So Politis has a lot of theories, but... He refuses to lock into one, and he's quoted as saying, I've never given you a theory. I've given you a series of facts. And he's basically trying to make people draw their own conclusions, but it's the conclusions he wants them to draw. But guiding them exactly yeah, a little, to that conclusion. A little suspicious. But yeah, he has a lot of long quotes of him saying, well, I reasonable minds can come to their own conclusion. I've never told you a theory because if I told you a theory, you would be able to disprove it the next day, and then I would lose all my credibility. So I'm just giving you the facts of what happened and you can draw your own conclusions which is a, a cop out mm -hmm. one of the things that is most frustrating about cases where someone goes missing on federal land is that there is no requirement for the u.s government to keep records of these people okay that's weird and there are no federal standards for federal search and rescue They're just doing whatever they want is this just due to sheer negligence or could it be part of a larger government cover-up it is crazy that they don't have a database for these people that have gone missing and it seems very insensitive and callous these and are people these are people's loved ones that have gone missing and it's to the government it appears oh they've just vanished so let's just write them off too bad so sad it's probably mountain lion and also we're taxpayers 
you need to care when we go missing. Exactly. But I think that Jerry Gergich summed it up on Parks and Rec. It's not government work if you don't have to do it twice. <laughs> so they've gone through already. They have a record somewhere. They're just not centralized. So, of course, yes, it would. it's going to be a huge project to centralize it. And maybe with enough pressure from David Politis and, you know, Alan Adadero and people who have either researched it or have been experienced it firsthand. Or lost loved ones. Lost loved ones. Yeah. Then they maybe can make a change. That's probably what will need to happen. So some other theories. Some believe alien abductions are behind these mysterious disappearances, which could explain the loss of time, missing clothing, and the person turning up miles away from where they disappeared. The aliens don't gently put you back where you were found. Well, you're being dropped from, you know, a mile or so up in the air. If you've ever seen that Kate McKinnon sketch on SNL, they dropped her on top of a long John Silver's <laughs> and her slacks were in a tree 30 feet away. <laughs> she was just up there with her cuckoo hanging out. That's one of my favorite That's sketches. That's a great sketch. Yeah. All of those are so good. So I think alien abductions make sense. They're, you know, abducted from a wooded area. Especially if they've left their pack or were out on their own. That would be a good target. There is this dovetails with a later theory. So I'll come back to aliens here in a minute. Everyone, this is the time to go ahead and get out your tinfoil and start making your little hat. Because we're primed and prepped. It's coming. For tinfoil hat Heather. In many cases, a strange storm develops right before the person goes missing. Are electromagnetic forces creating portals into other dimensions? That's what they're saying. And also, this dovetails with our next theory. Some people think that Bigfoot is not of our realm, that he is, in fact, an interdimensional being, much like we talked about in the Mothman episode. The guy that wrote the Mothman prophecies thinks that Mothman and Jesus and anything like that are actually from another parallel universe it's like the multiverse theory and they're crossing over and so if bigfoot according to some is doing this (laughs) then it could be that he is taking these people with him into that dimension and then bringing them back out what what's his motive i think the for the most part i think david politis thinks it's a cryptid he thinks it's an animal bigfoot something like that that seems so ridiculous to me and also Kind of insensitive to say these people's loved ones have gone missing from fucking Bigfoot. You got ate up by a Bigfoot. Like, let's give them an actual logical explanation. Well, in the case of Adadero, I think that's probably, if other kids have gone missing in that area, it's probably a human predator. Oh, frankly. I 100% think it's a human predator. Um. So then, this is our next theory. Scariest beast of all. The Illuminati. Oh, gosh. So this is a rabbit hole I went down. Apparently, according to some... The Illuminati. According to some, is my favorite. According to some, P- folks AKA, have said a, a niche group on the internet. Folks are saying <laughs> that the Illuminati, for multiple reasons, have shopping lists with descriptions of people they may want older or younger or middle aged or adult, male, female, different races and different body types. And there's shopping lists, and there are Illuminati workers so basically like people work for the illuminati or the deep state and they go out and abduct people that match these descriptions and take them to human processing centers which are underground if i'm to remember correctly from my research and what they do in the human processing centers it's determined whether they're going to be used as sex slaves on earth or they're going to be used in like an mk ultra type thing where they're brainwashed or whether they're going to be this is the thing I didn't know about until recently, sent to interplanetary human trafficking where aliens from other planets are willing to buy humans and put them in a museum, from what I understand. It's like a museum with different types of humans, and they have to be in this museum. I wish we had footage of what my face looks like right Christy's now. Christy's face is... I don't think it could get more scrunched up and just disgust. <laughs> Not disgust, confusion. Well, confusion. <laughs> so apparently the aliens, they're, according to these same people, aliens that crash like around Roswell are called allied ETs. So they're aliens that at the time made friends with the government and have these underground bases that are around national parks because they're easy to hide. The entrances would be easy to hide. Mm. And they run these processing centers and the Illuminati, like I said, either uses people for MK Ultra, which that's going to have to be a whole episode, which is, if you don't know, it's basically a government program where they use drugs or abuse to create 
subjects, so humans. It is real. Or they use subjects to mind control them. And or they use them for apparently there's like Illuminati sex rings. And then that's also true. Yes. And then the other thing is the interplanetary trade where they give humans to other planets to either do experiments on or use for whatever purposes. But the Illuminati are doing this. Well, they're trading? in charge of everything. Yeah. So they're but the, the Illuminati in this scenario are people. The, yes. The Illuminati is like the government, the 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 one world government. So they're working directly with alien beings. Supposedly. To barter and trade. Correct. Our fellow man and woman, correct, around the the galaxy. Yes, to be used in. Uh, I think it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy, where Benicio del Toro has that whole display case yes. world that he lives in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Okay, okay. Woo! <laughs> so that's probably what's happening. I, I think that's the only explanation. I went down quite a rabbit hole for that. <laughs> that is a re- that's a big old hole. I think if if this is an iceberg, I I just saw what was above the surface. I, there's so much more that I just did not have. I, I, you need access to the deep web. I do. <laughs> if anyone does, you do. I do. I need to read the real. Uh, if you know where I can learn more about this. No. Although the last time we tagged as kind of a bit, we tagged Illuminati. Someone, I don't know if it was a bot on Instagram, said, if you would like to learn more about the Illuminati, please follow me. And when I clicked the name, it was a private page, and I thought, I'm not getting on that. Mm. I'm not starting that. Then so you're not ready for the deep web. I guess not. <laughs> I'm not trying to be on any lists. Well, some other explanations that might not be as exciting as the Illuminati, <laughs> but maybe a bit more reasonable Suicide, head injuries that lead to amnesia, or people that just want to disappear. I don't think any of those are likely. (laughs) I think most of those are likely. Probably with the skiers, the head injuries leading to amnesia. I think the head injuries with the skiers. I think with Jared, it was a person abducted him. A predator. And those, his clothes and everything were planted. But how do you explain Jelani Brinson? I don't know if I have an explanation I don't think the it was the Illuminati it was definitely explanation. <laughs> I mean, I do believe in aliens, so I'm not saying that it's not aliens. That's true. I just think that a lot of times there are things that we want to explain with more exciting answers as opposed to... The truth, which is boring. The truth, which is boring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Well... Well, it varies from case to case. I think in the cluster cases where people are found with no memory, it may be a Dick Van Dyke show explanation where they got hit in the head with a violin and and ended up, you know, somewhere where they didn't think they were meant to be. But I think also the whole time portal thing doesn't – it's not too crazy because I definitely believe in the multiverse theory. And who knows in these areas of dense forestry, there's an electromagnetic storm – I don't know. I I feel like I'm open to a lot of ideas and theories because I am humble about what I know I don't know. There's Mm -hmm. no way to know definitively that that's impossible. So I'm open to that possibility. Let me ask you this. What? We are hiking in a forest. I go missing. Uh Uh-huh. I can't be found. Then some of my clothing is found. Yeah. The authorities come and tell you, Miss McKinney, she probably is in another dimension with Bigfoot. Are you going to be satisfied with that explanation? I would figure out a way to get to the other dimension. Or are you going to want them to research it as if it were an actual missing persons case? You never watched the 2016 female Ghostbusters, but I would find a way to get to the other dimension. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Just so you know. I love that about you. And same for you. But also I wouldn't just believe that it was a mountain lion, especially if there was evidence to the contrary. I think that's a cop-out explanation because they don't want to admit that they fucked up. I think so. Or that they have a predator on their hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, why wouldn't you want to find the predator? That's another question. There's a lot of questions. Foolishness. Not a lot of answers. There's so many other stories, too, that we came across that were we'll probably do another episode. so fascinating, especially from, you know, 1800s and early 1900s. There's just a ton that are just still so bizarre to this day. So I do think that 
we're going to do another oh, yeah. episode down the road about some of these. And one of the, the cases in the Missing 411, Dior Coons, that oh. is so intense. We'll have to do a whole episode on A whole on episode that. on him. We were going to mention it in this one, but honestly, it's such a intense case with so much that we didn't want to do it injustice by not going over everything. everything. Well, that's what we think. We'd love to know what you think. Hit us up on social media, email us, whatever, and let us know what you think might be going on in these weird disappearances. And it's probably best if you stay close to your friends and family and just, I don't know if you if being as plain as possible works because I just don't want to be on some sort of list for the Illuminati to try to sell me off to some alien. You're museum. probably already on that list. God, I know. Damn it! <laughs> I have to be. I have to stop being so brilliant. And you beautiful. do. Yeah, they're like, we have got to get her mind up in here. Y'all don't don't put me in a glass box. You will not like the results. <laughs> do you have any shout outs? Yeah, we have a couple shout outs. We All want right. to shout out folks that came and saw our show. Oh yes. Uh, so Becca, Caitlin came out and saw our show, and some other people. If you come and see the show, please make sure to say hi to us. We always kind of hang out at the bar afterwards. And we're talking about the improv show we do with our troupe, The Cult. Correct. That we had this past weekend at Dallas Comedy House. Correct. And also shout out Sarah and Bethany who said hi at the Dallas Comedy House birth anniversary event that we were at this weekend. So anytime you see us, it's not weird to say I recognize you by your voice, but I don't know if you know who I am. Just come up and say hi. It's yeah. totally fine. We love it. <laughs> we love it. And if you – a lot of people said they wanted to come to our last cult show but couldn't. So if you are in the Dallas area and want to come see us Saturday, February 2nd, 9 p.m. at Dallas Comedy House, we have another show. Tickets are cheaper in advance if you get them on the website, DallasComedyHouse.com. There's also a link in our bio on Instagram or on our website. Correct. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. Also, just recommend it to a friend by taking their phone typing us into whatever podcast app they use and subscribing them right away. It's very fast and easy. Yes. It's a lot easier than trying to spell out the name of the show. And also direct them and yourselves to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. What about you? I'm on Instagram at Heather VS The World. Also, you can check out my new website I made, Heather Versus and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hood.